Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships evolve with people as they grow and change? In this special episode of Curious Fox, we are talking about consensual non-monogamy 101. In part one, you'll hear how Jacqueline and I ended up here, our origin stories, if you will, how we got to be practicing our own versions of non-monogamy and what it looks like for us. Venturing into open relationship waters requires a degree of unlearning as well as a shift in thinking about relationships as a whole. So in part two, we'll explore three important concepts to wrap your head around if you're considering non-monogamy for yourself. We also included a rapid-fire round of common hashtag poly problems and some suggestions about how to overcome them. Make sure you catch part two after this episode. Hi, welcome to the Curious Fox podcast. This podcast is for those who challenge the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. My name is Effie Blue. And I'm Jacqueline Misla. And on today's episode, we are talking about consensual non-monogamy 101. And it is Effie and I today. Yay! We are the guests. I am a relationship coach specializing in supporting those who are curious about, transitioning into, or have hit a roadblock in open relationships. Effie is the founder of Relationship by Design, that coaching practice of Curious Fox. And this is the podcast that you're listening to, the Curious Fox podcast. She is also my friend and collaborator in this work. I'm Jacqueline Misla. I am a uh, chain strategist. I'm kind of coach and consultant by day, founder of Crafting Your Path and uh, COO of Curious Fox by Night. And a lot of my work centers around helping organizations and people navigate away from things that they once did that they no longer want to do into work and lives and relationships that more align with their truth. And we do this little podcast. This little podcast. Yeah. Thank you for listening. When we first started, we were like, oh, 10 people are going to listen. And then now we're at like 16,000 downloads or something like that. And we just did an interview yesterday with Christina Hutchinson from Guys Who We Fuck. Mm -hmm. And we were talking to her about, it's crazy, we're telling stories to each other. And then we're like, oh my God, 16,000 people just heard that story. She was like, yeah, in our last episode, I listened and blah, blah, blah. And it was like 38 million people listened. And I was like, (laughs) I'm sorry, (laughs) what did you say? (laughs) 38 million people listened. That feels terrifying. That is terrifying. I there is somewhere I watched um, Lady Gaga speaking to I just uh, Florence Florence and Nightingale. They were having a conversation, and you know, n- not boasting in any way, but um, Lady Gaga just mentioned the number of her followers, and Florence like winced, and she was like, "How can you even look at Instagram knowing mm-hmm. that so many any click, any movement, anything that you touch is going to be transmitted to like." millions of millions of people and yesterday it was like that was exactly that kind of a feeling i was yeah. like 38 million people i don't know if i like that <laughs> no it's true 
It's interesting because we want a broad audience. I mean, the, the reason why we started this work in this podcast is to change the noise, is that we understood that there were so many stories out there that were reiterating and reinforcing the dogma that there's only one way to live, love, touch, have sex, you know, experience each other. And that we wanted to create more opportunities for people to have permission and inspiration to hear other stories of thriving and say, oh, that's a thing. Or like, oh, me too. So I'm thrilled about creating that space, but also 38 million people listening. <laughs> that's a big space. I know. I feel exactly. <laughs> that's like a country. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think, um, I think if we ever hit that number, I would be so proud and I would feel so like accomplished uh, given the amount of work that goes into all the, all the stuff that we do. I think it'd be super validating. And then there would definitely be a part of me that is like curled up in a corner like rocking back and forth, just like desperately anxious and w like worried about every single word that comes out of my mouth. So mm -hmm. I hopefully will get there and then I can tell you if this like, <laughs> this thought that I have is correct or not. But there's definitely a part of me that is like, you know, hiding under the covers by the idea of a 38 million yeah. downloads. Part that being said, well. yeah, please share and like our podcast. <laughs> please do not allow this to make you think that we don't actually want more listeners. Yeah. Please share, like, rate our podcast. Um, yes. And so uh, this particular conversation is for everyone. We're going to be talking about how to rethink relationship structures. And in particular, if you have been curious about open relationships, if you are interested in somebody, so if any of these statements ring true to you, if you have said to yourself or to a friend, I met someone that I really like and they're open, they're non-monogamous and I don't know if I can do it. If you have said to yourself, uh, me and my partner, we want to open up, we don't know what to do next. Um, if you said we were so excited to open up and then we realized we had very different ideas about what open means. I have been there. I know that feeling. If you are saying, I want this, but I don't know how to bring it up to my partner. If you talk about it constantly with your partner, but, and you've come to an agreement to do it, but there's still no movement. If you're interested in trying to navigate non-monogamy, but you don't know how to navigate the open dating world. Or if you think to yourself, this feels uncomfortable and hard and is it because I am pushing against social norms or is it because this is not for me? If any of those types of statements or questions have come to your mind, this is the podcast episode that you want to be listening to right now. So there's two things that are happening that you should know about in addition to this podcast. One is on Wednesday, September 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Effie and I are going to be co-facilitating an experience to really delve into consensual non-monogamy 101. And so if you are listening to this in advance and you're going to be joining us on the 9th, thank you. You're, we're going to dig into this some more. The 9th is really going to be an opportunity for us to hear from the people who are there. We are going to listen to their stories and questions. We're going to kind of dig into some of the top questions that come up in this space, but really give a lot of space for dialogue. Sometimes out in the world, 
there is not space in our family and friends to ask questions without judgment, without looks of confusion or disgust, or without lots of questions that we don't have answers to. So we're going to create space for us to have that conversation on September 9th. If you are not yet in the future past September 9th, you should look into that. If you're in the future past September 9th, become a Patreon member and you can watch the video. So you can't participate, but you can at least see the conversation that took place. And then we are also, Effie and I are developing a coaching series that is going to be launched very soon, where you will be able to sign up and go through some group coaching, one-on-one coaching. You'll be part of a Slack group. You'll have your own private podcast that you will listen to with some private recordings just for you. And so more information is going to be launched on our website very soon. Um, But we're really excited about that. Absolutely. I think we're breaking down the relationship by design process and really taking our time with it. So it's going to be over six weeks, um, not every day, but there's going to be a little bit of work to be done kind of every day. And then we're going to be touching base over the weekends. Uh, It's going to be an audio experience because we think this kind of work is really really intimate. The idea is for you to put your headphones in, listen to some ideas, some introductions, some concepts, and then some prompts and do some work. And you can then share that work with us directly, depending on which path that you want to take for yourself. Or We're definitely creating a community experience where you can touch base with others who's doing the work. We want to create spaces for group coaching, so smaller groups that you know really share their work with one another and support one another. So there's going to be a, a different ways of participating. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure. Exactly, exactly. The idea is that by the time you went through the the six weeks, you will have the opportunity to really break down the idea of relationships. And then we're going to sort of take you through it all. We're going to help you find out what thriving means to you and your partners and help you craft the relationship with that at the center of it, with this idea of thriving at the center of it. And by the end, hopefully you'll have the first draft of a custom designed relationship just for you and those whoever else is in it with you. Um, So it's going to be a really exciting journey. We actually did the very intense version of this for one of the Curious Fox Presents events. And it was a little too intense for the 90 minutes we were given. So much so that when we when we actually looked at the work, we were like, oh, this is going to take approximately six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, it takes a lifetime to do the work well, and it yeah. takes six weeks for us to... So yeah, there's, there's going to be a, a Choose Your Own Adventure. You can just get the audio and join the Slack community. You can do that and join us for weekly brunch coaching, group coaching sessions. And if you want some more custom support, then you can do one-on-ones with Effie and myself as well. And so there's going to be different ways for folks to be engaged. We are doing planning sessions now. We're working through the final details and we're going to launch that really soon. We've been getting a lot of requests for that kind of support. And so we are excited to put that out into the world. And so today you're going to get like a little snapshot of that. We're going to be talking about three things. You know, how did Effie and I get to this place? Like, how did we... Why are we talking about consensual non-monogamy? Why does this feel so important to us? We're going to be talking about the shifting of the perspective. We do not monogamy shame. 
We do not believe that monogamy is not a, a healthy structure for folks. We instead believe that it is one of many options for relationship design. And so we want to talk through what those options look like and then hit a little bit on some of the big questions that we often get in our work from folks who are curious about or resistant to or entering into open relationships. And so we're going to explore that today and then we'll dig deeper and really give people space to share their stories on September 9th. And then starting in the fall, we're going to have these working sessions with folks. So join us. Join us. <laughs> As we close out the year and start 2021, hopefully Ooh, a lot yeah. different than 2020. So Effie, I'm going to interview you since we don't have guests today. I'm going to, you're my guest. Tell me a little bit, did you always identify as non-monogamous? Like when did it hit you? Oh, there's another way of doing this and I want to do it that way. No, I did not know anything about non-monogamy. What I believed for a long time is that I sucked at relationships. Like that was my core belief for like over a decade. I found that I struggled with the relationships because I would actually let me rephrase this. I actually was not bad at relationships at all. I have a history of serial infidelity. And what I often, what my pattern looked like is that I would go into a relationship and I, it would be a good one. I, you know, would have a great time with my partner and would get to know each other. We'd settle into some sort of a routine. And as we were really thriving and having a good time and, and establishing a really good relationship, I would just get this idea that I want to now adventure and I would go and and essentially cheat. Like, I don't want to sugarcoat it. Um, I have put this in ways that made it sound as if I was doing something like not that bad. But it's not true. It's like I cheated. I went out and cheated. Uh, and it was a thing that was slightly different is that it, often we have this idea that people cheat when they're unhappy. I was cheating when I was the happiest, actually. And then uh, and I didn't really like like eventually, you know, either in the morning or or whenever quite quickly my ethics would kick in and I would decide that it, you know I'm going to confess and I would sort of con confess of course there was there would be heartbreak and tears and a lot of egos hurt and just confusion I imagine from your partner who was probably like things were going well what happened Right, right, right. Exactly. And um, there's definitely, you know, there has been moments where I have suggested something like, I, I've said, I remember in arguments, like saying things like, is it really that bad? Like, is it really that bad? And like, I remember very one very particular conversation and I was like, is it really that bad? Is it really that crazy that I'm doing this? And just their face was just like, blank. And they were so amazed that I would even like, they were just baffled. It was like a, like, exactly what a baffled face would look like and then there was this like holding their breath and looking at me like completely baffled like as if they're looking at an alien going who are you like what what is going on with you and it really reinforced for me that I suck at relationships you know like clearly look at these people in front of me and like it was a pattern it wasn't like one-off like it would happen and I would tell myself it would never happen again I would take a break and I would go into another relationship and rinse repeat rinse repeat I got married thinking if I just get married if I just sign a contract maybe then this won't be a thing guess what <laughs> didn't make a difference and then it happened again and now that I now have you know I got divorced and then at that point I uh, I think I you know I had one or two other relationships after that and then at some point I was like enough is enough like I don't want to hurt people anymore I don't want to be hurt anymore I can't do it any other way this seems to be something that's happening I just can't figure out why it's happening 
the only conclusion that I could come to is that I suck at relationships. Therefore, I shall never be in a relationship ever again in my life. And at the time, I was really getting into my career and I decided to just channel all the energy, all the time, all the effort, all my bandwidth into my career. And that was great. That was great for my bank account. Not so great for my heart. It's like I managed, like I was a property owner by the time I was 30, but I hadn't dated anyone for the like a decade before that. And so I was, that's where I was. Then I, my work took me, brought me to New York and a bunch of things collided that part of the story isn't that exciting, but a bunch of things collided and I stumbled into the non-monogamous sex positive community in New York City. Quite literally stumbled. Like I stumbled into a home and then I realized that I was at a at a party and I was, you know, getting to know people and I was like, oh, 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 what? And then a light bulb went on and it was this idea that, oh, it's not that I'm not good at relationships. I'm just not good at one type of relationship. And there's like many, many other ways of having a relationship. Like I was in a like a, a three-story house full of people who were talking about how they had a wife and a girlfriend or a boyfriend and a husband or two boyfriends. and a, You know, or they were in like, oh, there's like, we're in a polycule of four or six people. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And these are relatively, in air quotes, normal people meaning I could definitely see how these were like could be my people like how I could be friends with these people they weren't mm-hmm. professional people parents uh people who you would neighbors that you would see in your community yeah yeah and and just like also I was having a lot of very reasonable conversations with them that had nothing to do with relationships you know we're talking about I don't know the city and um what they like doing and travel and arts and culture and music and I was like yeah I mean I have so much in common with these people like this is not entirely alien to me so this that was the beginning during that time I started to have get to know like these concepts of relationships that there's there's like there are different structures for relationships it's also around that time that I started to understand the distinction between relationships and people that the people that you're in a relationship with, with aren't your relationship. And I think we're going to talk about that in a minute. But like that's what, that was the beginning of me going, oh, like there's, there's layers to this that we don't know. Like we just don't think about it in that way in the mainstream. Right. There's me, there's you, and there's our relationship. Right. Exactly. And the, the people and the dynamics are two separate entities. Of course, there's an overlap because the dynamic is serving the people in the relationship, but those are very separate. They're, they're separate entities to think about. So that was like now maybe like seven years ago. That was kind of the beginning for me. And then it was, uh, it was the next two years was really about figuring out what would be the relationship that I could thrive in. And I was doing, I was trying to figure that out as I was also trying to figure out the rest of my life. And then that's kind of was also gave birth to this idea of relationship by design because I was like, okay, this is about designing. This is about looking at all aspects of something, of, of a relationship and picking like, this works for me, this doesn't work for me. This works for me, this doesn't work for me. Yeah, and that was kind of when the first time I like came to an understanding and where I am today, I'll skip forward. I think where I find that works for me is, I know that I thrive in relationships when they are polyamorous, ideally um, kitchen table poly, as kimchi cuddles would put it, where I am dating people who know and like each other and that we can sit around the table every now and then, break bread and, you know, 
be pleasant and then be a support network and friend and sort of extended family to one another is kind of where I found myself the happiest and in a state of thriving. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jackie? How did you come to be non-monogamous? Let's see. So I always knew that I was non-monogamous. Now, I didn't have that language. As our regular listeners will know, I grew up in a highly religious household. So certainly we did not talk about non-monogamy. I mean, there was conversation or rather there was an acknowledgement of polygamy and polyamory in some ways because of Bible stories. So I knew that that was a thing, but it was something that existed, you know, 2000 years ago in the Bible. It wasn't something, or maybe in like Utah or something, but it wasn't things that existed in my, like in, in the Lower East Side of New York. I think for me, I never wanted to feel limited. So right now the, you know, the ongoing joke, when someone asks me about myself, I say that I have, you know, four jobs, three homes, two partners, one kid and a partridge in a pear tree. Mm-hmm. Like I, I thrive on variety. I thrive on options. One of my mottos in life is and not or. And so I I just never wanted to have to choose. I just wanted everything always open to me. And so that's always how I've been. And I remember when I was in high school and starting to date that I would have conversations with, you know, my with my boyfriends and say like, you know, what if we're together? But every once in a while, you know, like we could make out with somebody else or like we could hang out with somebody else. And like, it's fine. And in fact, not only is that fine and you won't get in trouble, like you can go back and like, tell me about it. Like we can talk about it. And they were just not never into it, which frankly surprised me because I think the idea that I had in my mind of men was that they would philander if given permission. And I was like, permission, like hall pass, go ahead, go at it. And it was like, no, 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 I just want to be with you. And so in high school, you know, there are certainly kind of like some minor cheating of, you know, kissing other people and things like that, that would happen. But I was also very good at compartmentalization. And we, we've talked about this in our work, that things that are good in work sometimes are not good in relationships. So my compartmentalization is amazing when it comes to my work. I've, I, I, I do a lot of different things and I can uh, task switch very quickly. But the fact that I can compartmentalize cheating or being with one person and another person, another wasn't good when that wasn't consensual and that wasn't part of the dynamic. So that existed through high school, through college. Um, I got married to my, my college boyfriend. We were together for 11 years before we got divorced. And throughout the course of that marriage, even in the beginning, we were together for five years before we got married. And in the beginning, when we decided to get married, it was like, okay, well, what do we want to make this move? And what does that look like? And one of the things I said to him was, I just don't want to ever feel held back. Like, I want to feel like I can take advantage of every experience or opportunity that is afforded to me. And for me, that meant in my career, that meant travel, but it also meant relationship. It also meant like, if I, I want to experience other people and connections, I didn't have the courage or the language to say that in that way. But in my own mind, I planted the seed. And when he had said, yes, I won't limit you, I was like, great, that means that too. But that only meant that for me. I didn't like say that out loud. And then throughout the course of our, our marriage, I would like bring this up again and say like, you know, we should do this. We should try this. Like, let's have a threesome or let's you go on a date. I go on a date with somebody else and we come back and talk about it. And he just couldn't see that as possible for himself. He essentially, you know, would say things like, that's not what people do. That's not what people do. And I was like, what people? Like, which people have you polled? Who mm-hmm. are these people? I'm sure that there are people. Like, we just need to talk to different people. Mm-hmm. And eventually, that wasn't what ended our relationship. There were there were some other things just in terms of the way we wanted to live that were different. Or the, the I'm incredibly ambitious and, you know, want a particular type of life. And he's much more chill. 
and and kind of just want to take it as it is. And that worked for a long time because we balanced each other. And then at some point I felt really held back and he felt really like pushed to be more than he was interested in being. And we, we knew this already. We'd started to go to therapy before because we have a, a daughter together. We'd start to go to therapy when we decided to have a kid. We thought we could work it out. It didn't. But the nail kind of in the coffin was I like put my foot down because I started to have feelings uh, for who's the per- person who's now my wife. We were friends and, and it started to shift. The energy shifted. And I said, this is something I want to pursue. And he was like, yeah, let's just call it. Let's call it time of death. Like this is if you want to do that, you should do that. Like there's other stuff to get that's getting in the way of our relationship anyway. So that was really hard because that's not what I wanted. It was I was heartbroken. Looking back, that was the right decision. I've been with my wife now for seven years. And so looking back, that made sense. Like we couldn't have done it. But the irony is about a year ago, my ex-husband, we're now friends and we're great co-parents, um, came to me and said, so this open thing, tell me more about that. And he actually like brought it up to his girlfriend. She was not into it. They broke up. And now he's like practicing non-monogamy and coming to me for advice, which Uh. is, you know, (laughs) it's just that's the way the world works. It also shows like timing is everything. You're not necessarily just because you're ready in that moment doesn't mean the other person is. And it doesn't also mean that they will never be ready. I definitely see it in my practice. Like sometimes it's just a timing issue and people or, or people like say in your situation, they'll be like, no, I don't want to be normal. I with you. And then they will find themselves in another another relationship and for some reason that relationship feels safe enough or they have grown in some way or evolved in some way that they or change in some way that that moment, that relationship, that person feels like the right time and place to be open. So it's kind of a, I, I think there are some people like you who like, I know this is what I, you know, I know this is where I am. I think for other people, it could just be somewhere they arrive and not necessarily where they are at the beginning of their journey. So that's one of the things I wanted to say. And the other one is, it's actually kind of very mature for him to be like, you know what? There's like so many other things that's not working in the relationship. Let's just call it. I also see the reverse of that in my practice. People are like, they, they come to me because they want to talk about their relationship struggle. Or, or they want to talk to me about how they want to be in an open relationship and how, how much they're struggling on the path to being in an open relationship. Actually, they're like, there are so many issues in their relationships that they need to be addressing before they could even consider opening up. But they get so hyper-focused and like, it's not working because we can't be open. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not working out because like, you're not, you're not handling a bunch of other stuff over there. It's absolutely right. So even to your point that even if, even if he could have gotten there earlier, the type of open, and we'll talk about this today, the type of open that we both would have wanted would have been different, would have evolved in different ways. Our ways of talking about it would have been a challenge. So it wouldn't have worked for us anyway, but he did. I mean, I remember at the time he said, I would have stayed in this like my parents did. Like my, He's like, my parents are not happy, but I would have stayed in this for the rest of my life because that's what people do. And essentially, he was like, you're giving me an out. Like you saying you want to pursue this relationship with this woman gives me an opportunity to say, no, thank you. And it was almost like, thank you. Thank you for giving me a way out because I probably would have stayed and not been happy. And so then I was, you know, we were separated, then divorced, and I was free to explore again. And I I did get into a relationship with my now wife. And we were both thrilled because we both knew that we wanted to be in an open relationship. I introduced the concept to her as when we were friends. I had said, you know, I'm married now, but ideally, like just as friends, we would talk about our relationships. I said, ideally, this is something that I would want to pursue. And she was like, wait, that's a thing? 
And I was like, yeah, you should read Opening Up. And she just read like the first few pages of Opening Up and was like, yep, that's me. And like, close the book. Like never, I read it, took notes, like dog-eared things, highlighted. She read like the first few pages and was like, that's right. And like that day, like went back to her partner and said, I have been cheating all my life. I have been, you know, in relationships and, and, and not, and every single one of her relationships resulted in her cheating and then leaving and the same pattern that you described. And she's like, and I, and I thought I wasn't good at relationships and commitment. And I realized it's just that I want to have the freedom to fall in love with more than one person. So we were like, yay, you're open. I'm open. Let's do the thing. We, we like, you know, ready to get married, all the stuff. And then I was in my career at that time. I I was also in like executive work uh, for over a decade and transitioned out of that to, to do my own entrepreneurial practice. And within literally three months time, I left that job, left that career. And the, like the situation of me leaving did not, was not comfortable. It wasn't a good experience. I found out that my wife or my soon to be wife, cause we were about to get married. We were literally like a month away from marriage was having an emotional affair. She had fallen in love with somebody else. And again, we are, we are planning. So I, I found out that she was in love with someone else on the day that we were sitting, going out to dinner to like talk about our vows for our wedding. We were going on a vow date because we decided that we were going to write them together and kind of share them together. We had Mm -hmm. this really intimate ceremony in Brooklyn Bridge Park and followed by like brunch with just our families. It was really small and clean and beautiful. And, And I had suspicions that it was someone that we both knew and I could just kind of say, you know, when someone's crushing on someone and they keep finding like, they're like, oh, they said something so funny today or, oh, this thing. And you're just like, mm-hmm. you like this person. Like I can tell. And so I would say, do you like this person? It feels like you like this person. She's like, no, 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 I don't. And right. and that's the part that really, it was like gaslighting. It was, it was legitimately, I was saying to her, I can tell there's something. And she was looking me in the face and saying, there is nothing. There's nothing. Nothing is happening. And it went from her saying there's nothing happening to, I mean, I essentially, I, I looked at her phone. I did the thing, Effie. Mm-hmm. That's how I found out. I, I like had a sense that something was going on. And so we were getting ready, like putting on our clothes to go on our vow date. She went upstairs to like get her shoes or something. And I said, oh, you know, baby, can I borrow your phone for a minute? Like, I want to check what the weather is. So I know what shoes to put on. She's like, sure. So I go into her text exchanges and I go to this person and there's like nothing. It looks like cordial and whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess mm-hmm. I'm wrong. But it, I, I'm ne- I just, I had this gut feeling. And literally as I'm holding the phone, a message comes in mm-hmm. that is clearly a part of a conversation that is not documented. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. she's deleting the messages. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about something. And it was, it was, you know, the irony is it was about like designing what their house would look like, this imaginary house. Wow. And so the irony of our conversation of, but they were like, you know, oh, and I would have these kind of cabinets and this. And so I saw that, you know, put the phone back where it was and, and we got in the car to go and we're sitting in the car driving to the restaurant. And I say to her, you know, as I'm thinking about the wedding, I got to be honest with you, I have this feeling that you're engaged in something. I have this feeling that you're involved in another relationship, that you're cheating. And so one of two things are true. Either you're cheating on me and we got to talk about that. Or you're not, and I am really paranoid about it. And we got to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, tell me more. 
And I was like, well, I mean, but are you though? And she's like, well, no, but tell me more what you're feeling. Tell me what you're, and I was like, okay, no, no, no. I, t- I told you, like, I think that you're cheating though. <laughs> so like, are you cheating though? And she's like, but why do you feel that way? And it was like a half hour. We like, at that point, parked the car, we go into the restaurant, the like, you know, uh, the, the, the host is like, you know, it's going to be a few minutes, wait outside. And we're standing outside waiting to go in. And I look at her and I say, you, you, you've spent now a half hour avoiding this question. I'm asking you, what is going on? And she like got teary eyed and she said, I fell in love with her. And I went blank and I, I immediately just like my mind like went to, I, the first things out of my mouth was, okay, well, we're going to have to call everybody and cancel. And I think we still have time to cancel the reservation at the restaurant. Like I just immediately went into, practical, well, we're practical clearly jacket. not getting married. Right. right. Practical Jackie, like emotional Jackie shut off. And I was like, all right, you'll call your family. I'll call my family. We got to figure out if we can get the deposit back on the restaurant, like what that means. And she was like, no, 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 no. Like we can fix this. We could Right. And the hostess comes out. She's like, your table's ready. And like, all right. And so we sit down and she's like, no, no, we can fix this. We could. And I look at her and I say, the only way that this will be fixed is if you tell me everything. Because, and Esther Perel talks about this in one of the books, I forgot the name now, of course, around recovering essentially from infidelity. State of affairs. The state of affairs, yes. Mm-hmm. That you understand that you are creating your current, your present. You understand that the future is, is to be decided. But there's a sense of my past is my past. There is assuredness in that. When there is an affair, and this happened when my mother, my mother, my father divorced and my mother had an affair. And in both of those cases, you look back and you're like, wait a minute, then my past isn't as I thought it was. You start to think back to every, you know, with my mother's case, every time she and my dad were laughing or every time she said she was going to the store or every, you were like, were those lies? Was that untrue? Did you love, like, you just start to question your past. And it's, it's like an earthquake, when you have to question your own path because now everything feels unstable. And I was like, you have to help me rebuild what my past is, sure. what our past is, because I don't know. And, and it led to that. But we eventually, we decided we would get married. We started to work with you and it led to months and years of work. And we're in a really good place now, but that was my really, my, one of my first introductions into open. Yeah. It's harsh. It's like what I would call a violent crash into one. Yeah. yeah. That we, we meant very different things. I meant like making out with like somebody at a bar every once in a while. She clearly meant falling in love and being in another partnership. She wanted non-hierarchy. I was not comfortable with that. So there was a lot that felt conflicting because we didn't have the right conversations in advance. I do wonder, though, that whether she had that much clarity, whether she actually meant. Well, first of all, I wonder if she meant to fall in love. Um, I would also, you know, so when she said she wanted to be open, whether she actually meant that she wanted to for it to be a loving relationship. Like, I do wonder if these were all conscious decisions. Yeah. That they were not kind of just things that have come about because... They were coming about and we know that, you know, that she has, without naming her, I guess, but she has avoidant tendencies, right? So like people with avoidant tendencies also compartmentalize really well. As they compartmentalize, they can compartmentalize things from themselves also. So I wonder if at times when she was like, no, I'm not cheating on you, that especially I feel like with emotional affairs, there is a gray area it's like when it's a physical affair it's very difficult to like pretend you're not doing it but because it's an emotional affair you can like the psyche is really the human psyche is incredibly strong and 
you know, people are adaptable to all these situations and they do it partially because they can almost like lie to themselves or pretend things aren't happening. And so, I mean, I think a lot of the time, especially in my practice, when I work with people, I hear what they're saying and I'm often tuned into what they're not saying because in there is what they're not saying to themselves also. So I do wonder if like at some point she genuinely convinced herself that nothing was happening and you know that there's a part of her that kind of obviously like knew but there's a part of her that was like brick by brick was building up building a wall around this like one relationship i think that's absolutely true and she would say that too that it was just like they were flirting and then the flirting turned a little bit more serious and then before they knew it they're talking all the time and then you know the way that that happens and in the beginning she's like it just happened and i was put back and say no no you make decisions like you don't just find yourself in this moment and both things are true, right? That, that we allow ourselves to get into conversation that then can become more intimate. We let that happen. Yeah. And as that's happening, it feels like it's carried us away. That new relationship energy feels very to- intoxicating. And so, so we had to navigate through that and then kind of cut to my story. I'm now in the second relationship myself. We've been together almost two years. And at the time I wasn't looking for something serious. I was, again, that was not my version of, of open. I was not looking for Polly. I was looking for someone to like go on a few dates with and hang out and make out. And, and then I ended up falling in love. And so the irony is that all the things that I was pushing back on with my wife, she wanted to like have a shared space with this other person. She wanted to be in a full-blown like second relationship. They are still together, but haven't elevated to that level. Or I don't want to say elevated as if it's... Uh, hierarchy, but haven't moved to that phase of the relationship. And I live in two spaces. I split my week. One week I'm with my wife, one week I'm with my with my partner. And I had to navigate through that. You know, my partner recently started dating somebody and that was really hard during quarantine. So my point is I always knew, and yet, Effie, and yet mm-hmm. so much struggle, so much joy. So much love, so much joy. Absolutely. I could never go back to monogamy in that way. Like I maybe could define a new version of monogamy for myself, but there's a lot of work. Curious Fox podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.